This morning, the message, Footprints in the Sands of Time. Turn your Bible to John chapter 12, verse 26. Probably this verse is marked in your Bible if you bring your Bible to church and mark it regularly when we preach. I'm sure I've preached on this at least once a year, maybe twice a year, maybe more often than that during these years. A little bit different type of message this morning, but magnifying what this scripture teaches. John chapter 12, verse 26. The Greeks had come to Jesus seeking Jesus. And uh, they came to the disciples first and then they brought him to the Lord and it was as if the Lord were saying, you have come in my finest hour. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. And just before he gave that truth about the cross, he said this in verse 26, if any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. The last part of that, would you read with me? If any man serve me, him will my father honor. Again, if any man serve me, him will my father honor. Now look this way and try saying it without looking. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. That's in John 12, 26. Henry Longfellow wrote the poem, Lives of Great Men All Remind Us We Can Leave Our Lives, Make Our Lives Sublime and Departing, Leave Behind Us Footprints in the Sands of Time. You've heard about the drunkard who had a little boy. He loved that little boy very, very much. He also loved the bottle. And one morning he left home. It had snowed. I like the snow. We got deprived of the snow this time, and I'm very, very sorry. I know some of you voted against it. But anyway, this man saw all the snow, and he knew his little boy was asleep. So he thought, I'll just go over to the tavern and get a bottle and then I'll come back before he wakes up. So he left home and started through the snow toward the tavern. When he got almost there, he heard that little childish voice say, Daddy, Daddy, I'm walking in your footsteps. And it struck like a dagger to his heart. He turned around, got his little boy's hand, and said, we're going back home. A little child shall lead them. Footprints in the sands of time. Everyone in this room and everyone within the sound of my voice today, you're leaving footprints. They're going somewhere. They're going to lead somebody somewhere. Lives of great men all remind us we can make our lives sublime and departing. Leave behind us footprints in the sands of time. Where are your footprints leading others? Where are your footprints leading others? I'd like for us to think for a little while this morning 
about some of the great people of the Bible and their footprints and their examples and what they have taught us and what they taught their generation. First of all, we turn to the Old Testament, the book of Genesis chapter 6. In verse 3, the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with men, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. There were giants in the land in those days, and after that, when the sons of God came in to the daughters of men, and they bore children to them, the same became mighty men of, who were of old men of renown. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, that every imagination of the thought of his heart was only evil continually, and it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him in his heart, and the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping thing, and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. You think of Noah, that antediluvian character, perhaps the only man on the earth that honored the Lord. And this scripture, remember in John 12, 26 says, if any man serve me, him will my father honor. Noah honored the Lord, he served the Lord. And when God saw that the wickedness was great on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart that he had made man and he was going to destroy the whole creation, there's a tremendous interjection there, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And so God said to Noah, Noah, I'm going to give you 120 years to witness to your generation. My spirit will not always strive with man, but I'm going to give 120 years and I want you to build an ark. And while you're building it, you can preach. And the New Testament tells us that Noah preached righteousness to that wicked generation. And every year he kept on building the ark and building the ark and building the ark and building the ark. It had never rained on the earth. We need to remember that. Never had there been any rain. Nobody even knew what rain was. And God said, I'm gonna cause it to rain. And they didn't know what it was. And God said, no, I'm gonna bring a big flood. And you're to build this ark and anybody that'll get in the ark, they'll be safe from the flood. And so Noah preached. And I'm sure some who heard him for 10 years said, well, that, that sort of crazy old man always been preaching for 10 years. Nothing's ever happened. He said, there's gonna be a judgment. He'd preached for 25 years. And some who were now 25 years old said, well, I remember when I was just a little boy that guy was preaching like that. Nothing ever like that has ever happened. I don't believe it's ever going to happen. This, this, they laughed at him and laughed him to scorn. He preached 50 years. Some had children and grandchildren by now. And they said, well, that old fuddy-duddy, he's been preaching all that all those years. I don't believe anything's going to ever happen. Let's look at him just laughing. They just laughed at him. And, and Noah kept on preaching. And he kept on building the ark. A hundred years. A hundred and ten years. 119 years and he kept on heralding the same message there's coming judgment there's coming a flood come to the Lord everybody that gets in the ark will be safe from the terrible judgment and they said ha 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 they just laughed him to scorn and then God said one day 
Noah, you and all those that you've won to the Lord. And it was only eight people, his family, come into the ark. They went into the ark and the animals went into the ark. And then the Bible says God closed the door. And for seven days they waited. And then the thunder started and the rains came and the fountains of the deep broke up and all those gushers came and the water began to rise and the people looked around and they looked at the ark and they went over and knocked on the door of the ark. Noah, let us in, let us in. And I think there was enough milk of human kindness in Noah's heart that if he could have, he'd open the door and let him in. But when God shuts the door, nobody can open it. And that whole generation perished in the destruction of the judgment. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. If any man will serve me, him will my father honor. And God honored Noah. And his name has come down through generation after generation after generation. And anywhere in the world, even the skeptics, even the uneducated, even those who believe the Bible is just a myth, know the name of Noah. They make fun of him still. You hear all kinds of songs about old Noah. But he found grace in the eyes of the Lord and God honored him. And I want to tell you, beloved, anybody that will serve the Lord, God will honor. You have it at his word. He said it. And it's true. I think of Abraham. Turn your Bible to the book of Genesis again. In chapter 15, look at verse 5 and 6. Now, Abraham had been called to leave Ur of the Chaldees or Ur of the Samarians. Leave your people. Leave your family. Come to a place where I'll show you just by faith. And in verse 5, Genesis chapter 15, verse 5. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and count the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto them, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. Abraham believed in the Lord. Now keep in mind that Abraham was about 80 years old. God said, you're going to have a son, you're going to have a son, you're going to have a son. He told him that since he was 30. Every year, Abraham would go around saying, well, you know, I'm going to have a boy. Oh, how do you know you're going to have a boy? Well, God said it. He was 40. I'm going to have a son. How do you know? God said it. He was 50. I'm going to have a son. Aren't you getting a little bit old to have a son? When he was 65, I'm going to have a son. When he was 70, I'm going to have a son. When he was sort of old, you, you old cranky guy, I don't think you're going to have a son. When he was 85 years old, he said, I'm going to have a son. How do you know? Because God said it. And one day God said, no, no, uh, Abraham, you come out here. I want you to look at the stars. Can you count them? Look at the sand of the sea. Can you count it? That's how many heirs you're going to have. That's how much seed you're going to have. I'm going to give you a son. When he was 98, he said, I'm going to have a son. 
Well, they said, you old fool, you're not going to have a son. You're 98 years old. Nobody ever, ever had a son 98 years old. Oh, yeah, I'm going to. How do you know God said it? He believed God. And the Bible said God counted that for righteousness. And when he was 99 years old, he had a son. If any man will serve me, him will my father honor. God honored Abraham. The Muslims, the Jews, and the Christians all look back to Abraham and honor him. His name is known around the world. He was a man who believed God and God counted that belief to him for righteousness. That's how you get saved. You get saved just by believing God. You put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, trust him as your savior, as your Lord, believe upon him as your personal savior. And then you can say, I'm on my way to heaven. Victory in Jesus. I am able, Lord, we are able. And so I look and you say, how do you know that you're going to heaven? Well, God said it. Well, how do you know that's true? I believe it in my heart. I believe in God through Jesus Christ. And faith is the victory. If any man will serve me, him will my father honor. God honored Noah. God honored Abraham. I want you to think of another man in the book of Judges, chapter 6. His name was Gideon. Gideon is a very interesting person. In chapter 6, and the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian seven years. Verse 12, and the angel of the Lord appeared unto Gideon and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon said unto him, O Lord, if the Lord be with us, uh, why then is all this befallen us? And where are all the miracles which our fathers told us above, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go this, in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? And he said, O oh my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. Gideon, from a poor background, an insignificant family, was called by God to do a mighty work of valor. And Gideon believed God and he went forward with the sword of the Lord and Gideon, and he conquered the Midianites because he honored the Lord. He served the Lord. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. God honored Noah. God honored Abraham. God honored Gideon and gave them all victory. Why? Because they were not sinners? No. They were all sinners. Because they all had the strength of a Popeye or an Atlas? No, they were just weak human beings like you and me. But they believed God and they trusted God and they served him. I think for a moment about Job. Turn your Bible to Job. Job's one of the most interesting characters in the Bible. I don't guess anybody has ever go, had to go through what Job went through. There may be some in this room who have had terrible sorrow in your lives. There's some of you who have lost children. 
There are some of you who have lost a husband or a wife, mothers and daddies. Some of you have lost houses and lands. But there came a time in Job's life, he had everything he could want, everything heart could desire. And he was sacrificing for his children in case they'd forgotten to sacrifice. He was praying for them. He loved them. And a message came, a terrible thing has happened. The enemy has come and taken your lands and they've killed your children and the animals are all gone and you don't have anything left. And then Job had terrible boils from the top of his head to his feet. And he sat in the hearth and scraped, the, scraped his body. And some friends came to see him. And they sat there in silence seven days. They were so shocked. They couldn't believe what they were seeing. They didn't say a word. And then when they did begin to speak, they said, Job, you probably sinned and that's what's brought this on. What have you done? Why don't you confess your sins? And on and on they went about how Job was a sinner and the reason all this had happened, nothing like this ever happens to somebody that hadn't sinned. And <clears throat> they went on and on and on. And Job said, you're miserable counselors with friends like you who needs enemies. He didn't say it like that exactly, but that was the way it was. A terrible thing. And his wife finally said, you old fool, curse God and die. Commit suicide. Get out of it. But the Bible record says in all these things, Job did not charge God foolishly. Now, we have the book and we have the record and we know what was going on. Job didn't know this. But the devil had come before the Lord and said, Lord, I notice your servant down there, Job. And he uh, is serving you. But the only reason he's serving you is because you built a hedge around him. Remember we talked about the hedge of protection the other Sunday? You built a hedge around him, a protection around him, and nothing can harm him. He has all that he could want. He has his children and his lands and his houses and he has all this. And God said, all right, Satan, you can touch all that he has, but you can't kill him. I'll show you how a godly man will respond to adversity. And so Satan marched against Job. And beloved, sometimes when all the afflictions and adversities come upon you, remember it could be Satan marching against you. And Satan marched against Job. And in all this, Job did not charge God foolishly. He looked up, he said, the Lord gave and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. God put Job on display before a whole world, not only the world of that day, but the world ever since. As a man who loves the Lord, who serves the Lord, and who goes through deep valleys of affliction, but he doesn't charge God foolishly. He doesn't throw in the towel. He doesn't quit. He just keeps on going. A parable of a man who serves the Lord. Did God honor him? Well, there are two ways God honored him. Number one, God put him on display before the devil and said, devil, you've met your match. 
you think that the only reason people serve God is because I build a hedge around them. It's because I don't let them have any illness or any deaths or any financial problems. Here's a man that has all of that and he still is honoring me. And then he honored Job by putting him on display before the world so that the whole world, even, I, I was interested, one of the students the other day said, we studied about Job in high school literature. Isn't that interesting? They don't even believe the Bible. Can't read the Bible in, in school. But in literature, they read about Job just a, as a literary figure. You see, Job has been put on display before the whole world as a man who went through all kinds of affliction. And yet he honored the Lord and served the Lord. And you know what happened at the end? I don't understand all about it, but Job ended up in the last chapter with more than he'd ever had before. More children, more lands, more houses, more of everything. And you know what? that is I believe that's a historical book I believe that really happened to Job one of the oldest books in the Bible I believe he was a real character I believe all of this happened in the recorded time but I believe also it is a parable to all, all of us to say look earth is not all there is there's something more out there later and later on I'm going to make up to you all the adversities and all the problems and all the heartaches you've ever had, and you'll have more than you ever had before. If any man will serve me, him will my father honor. God honored Noah. God honored Abraham. God honored Gideon. God honored Job. If I had time, I could go all the way through the Bible. Let me mention a couple of more. Look in your Bible at Isaiah chapter 39. Now, I could have given you this scripture a little bit differently. Yesterday morning at the men's prayer breakfast, one of the men said to some of the other men, look up Hezekiah 7.14. <laughs> well, there isn't any book called Hezekiah. Somebody fell for that. <laughs> But in Isaiah chapter 38 is the story of Hezekiah. Hezekiah got sick. And he was a great king. Uh, he got deathly sick. And God said, Isaiah, you go tell Hezekiah he's going to die. He's going to die. He's not going to live. So Isaiah obediently went to Hezekiah and said, Hezekiah, the Lord told me to tell you you're going to die. Set your house in order. You're not going to live. <clears throat> but you know what Hezekiah did? Look in chapter 38, Isaiah 38, verse uh, 2 and 3. Then Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall and prayed unto the Lord and said, Remember now, O Lord, I beseech thee, how I have walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart and have done that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Hezekiah humbled himself before the Lord. He recited his life to the Lord, and he didn't recite a lie. He didn't say, now, Lord, I'm just telling you a bunch of lies. He said, Lord, I've walked before you, and he did. He had. And he said, I've tried to honor you. And God's great heart was moved. 
You think the Lord doesn't change? I know there's a scripture that says, I am the Lord, I change not. But there's also a scripture that said it repented the Lord that he did this. And I don't understand all about it. I'll ask the Lord about it when we see him. But in this place, I think God really intended for Hezekiah to die. But he heard Hezekiah's prayer. And he looked back at the record. And he heard what Hezekiah really appealed for. And listen, your prayers are never in vain. There's never been one prayer made in the name of the Lord Jesus in the will of God with wholeheartedness that has ever gone unanswered. Either God says yes or no or wait. God answers prayer. And Hezekiah prayed. And Isaiah was going out of the palace and God said, wait a minute, Isaiah, wait a minute, wait a minute, Isaiah. Turn around, go back and say to the king, I've changed my mind. I'm going to give him 15 more years. You think of that. Hezekiah honored the Lord so much that when he was facing death, he said, Lord, it's important to me to live a little longer. And God said, okay, Isaiah, okay, Hezekiah. You know, some of you have faced that. Some of you have been stricken with some serious illness and you turned your face to the wall and said, Lord, here's my life. I want to give it to you. And I ask you if you could extend my years here a little longer. And God said, all right, I'll do it. I'll do it. If any man will serve me, him will my father honor. Turn to Philippians chapter 3, please. Philippians chapter 3. Very simple message this morning. Just reciting how some have honored the Lord. They've served the Lord. And God honored them. All of you in this room and within the sound of my voice are acquainted with the Apostle Paul. Great, great intellect. He was Saul the persecutor. He went to Jerusalem to put to death the Christians. He went over there and studied the feet of Gamaliel. He learned to hate Christians. He was going to kill them all. And then he met Stephen. <laughs> he was never the same again. He was holding the clothes and the coats for those who were stoning Stephen to death. And Stephen looked up and he said, I see Jesus. And he's standing at the right hand of the Father. You see, Stephen had been talking about the resurrected Christ whom the Jews had killed at Calvary, and then he was raised from the dead. And Stephen was telling those same Jews that Jesus was alive, and they got so infuriated, they began to stone him. And Stephen, dying, looked up and he said, I see Jesus, and he's standing at the right hand of the Father. <laughs> that went like a dagger in Saul's heart. He pretended like he didn't notice it. A few days later, he went and got papers and put them in his pocket to go to Damascus to kill the Christians over there. But all the way, he heard those same words, I see Jesus, I see Jesus, I see Jesus. He's standing at the right hand of the Father. And 10 miles outside the ancient city of Damascus, he heard a voice, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And Saul fell on his face. He said, who are you, sir? And the voice said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. 
it is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And Saul said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And at that moment, Saul surrendered everything in his life to the Lord. Lock, stock, and barrel, he just sold out to the Lord. He went into Damascus. God worked on the other side of the city and sent Ananias over to say, Saul, thy sins are forgiven. Your blindness is healed. He had been blinded on that road. And Saul was baptized by Ananias. And from that moment, Saul went off like a jet airplane. And for the next 35 or 40 years, he served the Lord. He honored the Lord. Now he's coming near the end of the way. He writes back to the Philippian Christians. And he said, what things were gained to me, I've counted loss. And in verse 30, 40, he says, uh, I mean, verse 10, he says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. And he says, verse 13, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Verse 17, Brethren, be followers of me. Mark them who walk even as, as we, you have us for an example. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. And then just a few days before his martyrdom in Rome, he wrote to Timothy, I have finished the course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them that love his appearing. Saul became Paul. He was the Aristotle or the Socrates of his day. Marvelous intellect. He died a martyr, but not in vain. If any man will serve me, him will my father honor. I'm saying to you this morning, you want to leave footprints in the sands of time? Honor the Lord. Honor the Lord with your substance. Honor your Lord with your spirit. Honor your Lord with your sincerity. Honor your Lord with your separated living. Honor your Lord with your sanctification. Honor the Lord. If any man will serve me, him will my Father honor. May we pray. Our Father, we thank you for the lives of great men who remind us we can make our lives sublime and departing. Leave behind us footprints in the sands of time. We pray thou wilt touch the hearts of young people, men and women, little children. And may there come welling up in that heart a desire to honor the Lord, to serve the Lord. And Lord, we believe you that at the right time you will honor those who serve you. Even though the world dishonors them and hates them and kills them, the Lord will honor them. And that's what we're looking for. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand, please. Number 385.
I can hear the Savior calling, take thy cross and follow me. Listen, folks, I, I believe that there's some here today who really want to get busy with God and honor the Lord and serve the Lord. The songs we've sung have been challenges. That wonderful song that Lloyd gave us a while ago, the 90 and 9, shows how Jesus left everybody and went out to look for that one lost soul. And I was that one lost soul, and he came and found me and brought me to himself. He did that for you. Would you do that? Let him, do, let him use you to do that for others. Would you say, Lord, here am I. You can use me. I'll go, and I'll serve you, and I'll honor you. No matter what the world may say or do, I'll honor you. And I'll look for the reward later, and I'll just believe your word. The choir sang, I will arise and go to Jesus. Would you do that? There's somebody here today without Jesus. Will you come to him? Just trust him as your savior. If you're already saved, would you put your life on the line today, on the altar and say, Lord, I don't know what others are going to do, but I'm able. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to honor him and love him. While we sing, is there anybody who would come today?